Thieves of the Marvels and Killers of the Flower Moon on this episode of the Movies Past and Present Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Movies Past and Present Podcast. It's November 12th, 2023, and this is episode 116. I'm your host, Stanford Clark, and I'm podcasting from the crossroads of the West in beautiful Salt Lake City, Utah. Just like my website, moviespastandpresent.com, I'll be providing recommendations, commentary, and reviews about current and classic cinema. Thanks for tuning in, and let's do this thing. New in theaters this weekend, it opened on Friday, November 10th, is The Marvels. This is a comic book movie and a sequel to Captain Marvel from 2019. This is from Marvel Studios. It's directed by Nia DaCosta, and we get a continuation of the story of Carol Danvers, a.k.a. Captain Marvel, who's played by Brie Larson. And in this film, uh, Captain Marvel's powers get entangled with two other, uh, you know, superhero folks. We've got Ms. Marvel, a.k.a. Kamala Khan, who's played by Iman Vellani, and uh, Monica Rambeau who is played by Tayona Paris. Um, This power entanglement forces these three to work together um, to save the universe. Um, I'm actually going to be reviewing this movie in the podcast today. So uh, more to come. But The Marvels is rated PG-13 by the Motion Picture Association for action violence and brief language. Uh, There's some films opening up next weekend, again, in preparation for the Thanksgiving holiday that I thought I'd talk about. These are all opening up on November 17th. Uh, first up is Next Goal Wins. This is a comedy from Searchlight Pictures. It's directed by Taika Waititi. Uh, it's based on a true story of the infamously terrible American Samoa national soccer team. They suffered a historic defeat in the 2001 FIFA World Cup where they lost 31-0. to zero. Uh, With the World Cup qualifiers approaching, the team hires a down-on-his-luck maverick coach named Thomas Rongen, who in the film was played by Michael Fassbender, hoping he will turn around the world's worst soccer team. <laughs> uh, this is this is billed as a heartfelt underdog comedy. The trailers look good. I'm, I'm actually quite excited to see Next Goal wins. Uh, it is rated PG-13 by the Motion Picture Association for some strong language and crude material. Uh, next up on November 17th is a horror film, you know, because what's a weekend without a horror film opening? Uh, this was called Thanksgiving. Uh, it's from Sony Pictures. It's co-written and directed by Eli Roth. Um, after a Black Friday riot ends in tragedy, a mysterious Thanksgiving-inspired killer terrorizes Plymouth, Massachusetts. Doesn't this just sound great? Um, the birthplace of the holiday. Uh, picking off residents one by one, what begins as a random revenge killing um, soon is revealed to be part of a larger sinister holiday plan. Will the town uncover the killer and survive the holidays or become guests at his twisted holiday dinner table? You know, I will never know. Um, Thanksgiving is rated R by the Motion Picture Association for strong, bloody horror violence and gore, pervasive language, and some sexual material. What a great way to spend the holiday, <laughs> not. <laughs> okay. Um, I don't know what sounds worse, Thanksgiving or this next film. Um, Trolls Band Together. 
This is a musical comedy animated feature from DreamWorks and Universal. This is another film in the Trolls series. Um, Anna Kendrick is back as the voice of the troll Poppy, along with Justin Timberlake as the voice of the troll named Branch. In this film, we learn that Branch has a secret past. He was once a member of a boy band named Brozone um, with his four brothers. Um, when one of Branch's brothers gets kidnapped, Branch and Poppy try to get the band back together to save their brother. Um, I can't even begin to tell you how horrible this film looks. Um, and so won't be seeing it. You're going to have to let me know if you go and if you survive. Um Trolls band together. It's rated PG by the Motion Picture Association for some mild, rude, and suggestive humor. And you know, I mean, truthfully, you know, I'm not the target audience for this film. So I hope people have fun if they like it, but I think it just looks absolutely awful. Uh, all right. Next up is The Hunger Games The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. This is an action drama from Lionsgate. It's directed by Francis Lawrence. So this is a prequel to. The Hunger Games trilogy, um, you know, as you know, The Hunger Games was a novel published in 2008, um, written by Suzanne Collins. Uh, it was turned into a movie um, in 2012. Uh, you know, Suzanne Collins wrote a trilogy, you know, wrote three books, and all three movies, all three books got turned into, you know, movies. I read the first book and saw the first movie, and I gotta tell you, I just didn't really care for it. Um, just the dystopian story uh, just wasn't of interest to me, but I know it was hugely popular, uh, both the book series and this you know movie series. So uh, I'm just gonna read the press materials to you because I feel like it's reading a foreign language, but, uh, but uh, here we go. So experience the story of the Hunger Games 64 years before Katniss Everdeen, I remember Katniss, um, played by Jennifer Lawrence right in the movies, um, volunteered as a tribute. And decades before, Coriolanus Snow became the tyrannical president of Panem. The Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, follows a young Coriolanus, who's played by Tom Blythe, who is the last hope for his failing lineage, the once proud Snow family that has fallen from grace in a post-war capital. With his livelihood threatened, Snow is reluctantly assigned to mentor Lucy Gray Baird, who in the movie is played by Rachel Zegler, a tribute from the impoverished District 12. But after, but after Lucy Gray's charm captivates the audience of Panem, Snow sees an opportunity to shift their fates. With everything he has worked for hanging in the balance, Snow unites with Lucy Gray to turn the odds in their favor. Battling his instincts, in, instincts for both good and evil, Snow sets out on a race against time to survive and reveal if he will ultimately become a songbird or a snake. And maybe some of you could maybe contact me and, and interpret it for me. <laughs> Whatever I just read. Uh, I also understand that there's some songs in this film, which makes sense that they'd hire Rachel Zegler, because I think she's got a you know lovely singing voice. But anyway... Um, I'm probably passing on this one too, since I passed on on uh, two of the three movies from the from the other Hunger Hunger Games movies. Anyway, uh, the Hunger Games: The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes is rated PG-13 by the Motion Picture Association for strong, violent content and disturbing material. 
So there we have it. Uh, now playing in theaters, uh, the Marvels, and then opening up next weekend on November 17th. Next goal wins. Thanksgiving, Trolls Band Together, and The Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. First off, I want to talk about Taylor Swift, the Eras Tour, uh, the concert film. Uh, I, I've been out of the country, and so I, I'm really behind on things on my, on my movie watching. But I was able to catch Taylor Swift, the Eras Tour uh, in theaters. So this is a concert film. It was filmed in August of 2023 uh, at three of her shows that she did at SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles. Uh, and uh, I... I'm not a Swifty. I'm not a hater either, but I just, I think a lot of it is just, uh, you know, ignorant and focused on other things, but clearly, you know, as we all know, Taylor Swift is just an absolute phenomenon. And then this heiress tour has just been unreal in its amount of, of success and, and popularity. I thought it was actually a pretty cool move that Taylor Swift filmed this concert and put it out in theaters, you know, relatively quickly this wasn't like having to wait a year or something this was just literally months after after she had or even weeks you know after she had wrapped up the the u.s part of this giant heiress tour that she's doing worldwide um but i thought it was a cool move in that so many people that i know uh couldn't get tickets you know they tried to get tickets to this tour and it was just you know there was the whole Ticketmaster uh, fiasco, but also just the popularity uh, of it. Uh, you know, you've probably seen pictures. I mean, she was selling out giant football stadiums, uh, you know, multiple shows in, 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 in all these different cities she went to across the U.S. And, um, you know, her. I think the, the fandom knows no bounds. I mean, it's just she's, she just has a tremendous amount of, of fans and support. And clearly, she's a very talented artist. So, um, also, this concert film, it's become the highest grossing concert film of all time. I think the current amount is, it's like around $234 million worldwide that it's earned, and it's probably just going to continue to grow. Um, and also, I think it's received acclaim from, from film critics who are praising, you know, the direction of it. Um, it's directed by Sam Wrench, if I didn't already mention that, and who I thought did a very credible job and uh, you know, just a spectacle and energy uh, of the whole experience. Uh, I was in a, the theater that I saw it in, there were only like three or four other people in there. So there wasn't a lot of like jumping around and dancing, but you know, you saw um, some other theaters that appeared to really like, like people were acting as if they were at the concert. And I think that was really maybe the main uh, thing that I enjoyed about the film is that you really do feel like you're there and uh, probably even a better, you know, quote unquote seat than, than those who are, who are just, you know, right there against that giant, that massive stage. Um, but I, I thought it was really cool. I maybe, oh, there's probably only like five Taylor Swift songs that I, that I recognized. 
because uh, again, as I said, I'm, I'm not much of a Swifty, but uh, boy, Cruel Summer and Blank Space just they just have they they just played through my head um, for days after after seeing after seeing the show. So I thought it was I thought it was a, a you know a spectacle in the best sense of the uh, of the word, and and really captured uh, you know a very cool and very popular live event of of of. 2023. So kudos to Taylor Swift. I think also of interest, just you know, from a movie nerd perspective, is that that uh, Taylor Swift, who who is not only a very talented artist, but and songwriter, but a very savvy you know business person. She uh, just she partnered directly with movie theaters rather than going through a studio or some kind of a distributor, and uh, defined the traditional film distribution model. Uh, for this, so I guess just more money for her, <laughs> and, uh, and uh, also more money for the for the uh, movie theaters, which I think it was a huge boost to. So not only has Taylor Swift saved the U.S. economy, she saved uh, movie theaters too, or or at least provided a lot of money, a lot of money for them. So anyway, uh, good for her. The Ares tour, I think, is still playing in, in select theaters. So uh, again. If you're interested in that sort of thing, I think it's definitely, I think it's definitely worth checking out. So uh, the Marvels, which uh, just opened up this weekend, I was able to see it, and here's here's a quick and spoiler-free review. So as I mentioned, this is this is a sequel to Captain Marvel, uh, which which came out in, in in 2019, and again, as I mentioned, directed by Nia DaCosta. So Brie Larson reprises her role as as the super powerful superhero Captain Marvel. In this film, though, she gets uh, entangled with two other characters. Both of these characters have had have been on Disney Plus shows. So I'm going to get more into that and in, in the whole Disney Plus comp- component in a minute. But uh, first off is is Ms. Marvel, who is a uh, Pakistani American character named Kamala Khan. Uh, she's played in the film and also in the Disney Plus series by Iman Vellani. And then uh, a character named Monica Rambeau, who is the daughter of Maria Rambeau, who was Carol Danvers' best friend in in Captain Marvel. And uh, in that in the Captain Marvel film, Maria Rambeau is played by Lashanya Lynch. And we get to meet a little, a, a kind of a young version of Monica Rambeau in the film. In this, you know, film she's grown up. Monica Rambeau was reintroduced uh, to us in, you know, in the in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, uh, you know, quote unquote, um, in the Disney Plus miniseries WandaVision. Um, anyway, more Disney Plus in a minute. But so these three, who you know, the film is calling the Marvels. These three women um, are all they they are brought together and they end up having really to work together to defeat uh, a pretty nasty uh, villain. This this film truly is truly is a, a a sequel. There's a lot of stuff going on that you know. If you haven't seen the first Captain Marvel film. You know, you might want to before seeing this film, just because I think you know you can brush up on some of the on some of the stuff and some of the conflict and whatnot that's that's uh, happening. 
And then, of course, as with any Marvel movie, you need to stay through the end credits because there's there's stuff that's 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 fun for this film, but also possibly showing a direction of the way the Marvel Cinematic Universe is going to go. So, speaking of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, um, so I guess I should say first, I actually I really like this film. I thought it was it was very it was very entertaining. The pace is brisk. It's, you know, it's not perfect, but also. And I'm not trying to give it some slack, but you know, it's an escapist comic book movie. And uh, I think it does its job. It's 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 a great it's it's a great escape. It's very fun. It's funny. I thought the humor was great in it. Um I also really appreciated the runtime. It runs about an hour and forty-five minutes. So none of this like two and a half hour nonsense for a comic book movie. <laughs> Sorry. I don't really uh, I, you know, I just thought, I thought that in, in many ways it was just, it was a breath of fresh air and, and, and a lot of, uh, just really a lot of fun. Um, you know, the, the, the Marvel cinematic universe and Marvel studios, uh, they've been cranking out a lot of, a lot of content. They put a lot of stuff on, on, on the Disney plus subscription service. And some of that, as I mentioned, like with WandaVision, um, and with Ms. Marvel, those, even though you don't necessarily need to have seen those shows before watching this film and before watching the Marvels, uh, stuff definitely contributes um, to that from, you know, from those series. Also, uh, the series Hawkeye, uh, same thing, kind of, there's, there's something that you might, if you, you might want to watch Hawkeye before seeing this. But anyway, I think that and also... Um, there's, you know, again, a lot of content on, on, on Disney plus, and I think there, you know, there's been some discontent with the actual quality of films. I think, you know, Ant-Man Quantumania, which came out earlier this year, met with mixed reviews, including me. I, 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 you know, I didn't love it. Um, but so there's just a lot of Marvel cinematic universe fatigue and I think criticism, uh, I sat next to a family at the Marvels that was with a very chatty dad. He was a nice, a nice guy, but he was just, just you know, openly sharing with me that he was really tired of all of the content he felt like he had to watch um, on Disney Plus in order to get caught up with stuff that was happening in the movies. He was he was longing for the day, um, you know, a few years back before Disney Plus, where you could just. Watch a watch a Marvel movie and then wait until the next one came out in order to quote unquote keep up with the storyline. And uh, you know he's got a point. The uh, there's just there's there's been a lot of content and not all the content has been great uh, or just really beloved by fans. Maybe some hardcore fans have really been into it, and I don't mean to belabor the point, but I think you know clearly there's just I think you know looking at it realistically there's been a lot of challenges. Um, of course, we had a, um, a pandemic that really altered uh, the output from from these you know film studios, including Disney and 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 Marvel. Also, Disney created a very splashy new uh, streaming service, you know Disney Plus, and uh, was pulling in all of their creative arms, all of their you know various studios to create content for it and. 
Marvel was no exception. You know, they they have created a lot of content for Disney Plus, and uh, you know, you just wonder if what what the world would have been like if Disney had not created Disney Plus, um, and of course, if there hadn't been a pandemic, <laughs> like you know, uh, really altered the course for for uh, for things. So. You know, I I, I, I acknowledge that the, that this criticism of, of the Marvel Cinematic Universe is is real and legit, um, but then I also come back to that this is a, an escapist comic book adventure. Um, it's not Schindler's List. So anyway, I, I I say go see the Marvels if you like this sort of thing. It's 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 um I I had a blast. Next up is Killers of the Flower Moon which is a crime drama from Paramount Pictures and from Apple Original Films. It's directed by Martin Scorsese. This is based on uh, a 2017 nonfiction book by David Gran, who is a writer at The New Yorker and, and, you know, and, and a journalist and author. And um, this was, a, I just thought, a very compelling uh, film. Speaking of runtime, the one thing that I felt it was intimidating about, it's really long. So you got to plan <laughs> accordingly. It's like three and a half hours long. So, you know, pack a lunch and plan your bathroom breaks. Um, I had really good counsel from some, some dear friends that just were saying, you know, don't be afraid to use the, use the restroom during the film, but make sure you do it before the final hour, which I thought was really good advice. So just, you know, a word to the wise, if you, if you choose to see, see this in the theater, if you see it at home, of course, it's no big deal. And of course, I think eventually it's going to be on Apple TV plus, I don't know when, but, um, I was happy to see it in the big theater because I, or on the big screen, because I thought it was, you know, this was Martin Scorsese is such a fine director and with every, you know, with every director not every project is is brilliant, but this one is definitely like in the good Martin Scorsese category. I think it's set in 1920s Oklahoma, and it's focused on a series of murders that have been happening um, on uh, from the Osage Nation, um, the you know the Native American tribe, uh, after oil had. It started being produced on their tribal land. Um, tribal members had retained the mineral rights on the reservation, and and then a group of of opportunistic and uh, you know kind of you know rotten uh, white people sought to gain their wealth. Uh, this film stars Leonardo DiCaprio and Robert De Niro. Robert De Niro plays the uh, the kingpin of this, of this, uh, whole, of this whole, uh, situation and both the expert direction from Martin Scorsese and then, you know, and they've, they've collaborated on, a, I think what, like 10 plus films, uh, that Robert De Niro is, you know, is, is, is fantastic as this, as this, uh, you know, kind of grandfather figure, but, you know, who comes across as maybe looking is, is like benevolent, but, you know, Deep down, he's he's manipulative and, and and pretty horrible. And then Leonardo DiCaprio plays his nephew, uh, and who is who gets caught up in in uh, um, having to kind of do a lot of dirty deeds for for uh, Robert De Niro. A real uh, revelation. In this film is the actress Lily Gladstone, who is. Uh, uh, Native American, uh, 
but she um she was raised on the Blackfeet Indian Reservation uh and then uh received a a, a degree from from uh, the University of Montana in acting and directing and and she's just she's just brilliant in this in, in this film she plays again a native american who who uh falls falls in love and marries the leonardo dicaprio character but but really um you know her her family is one of the uh, uh she's they're getting they're, they're all getting murdered they're all getting killed off and, and anyway it's it's a really cool uh, uh crime drama a very compelling i thought a very compelling story really well acted really well directed uh really one just i think one of the best films of the year so so highly recommend killers of the flower moon and just you know plan your bathroom breaks <laughs> accordingly <laughs> uh, to go see it so uh there you have it That does it for this episode of the Movies Past and Present Podcast. Again, links and more information about the movies discussed in today's podcast can be found in the podcast notes on my blog at moviespastandpresent.com. Subscribe to the podcast where you listen to podcasts and follow me on Instagram. I'm at moviespap as in past and present. As always, I hope you will enjoy some good movies this week, whether they be from the past or the present. Thanks again for listening. And until next time, be safe out there and dedicate yourself to the truth. Bye.